Several years ago, I recall a moment like that. Actually, a season where I felt like I was drowning and I desperately needed a lifeline. See, I had stepped into a dream situation. We moved to Southern California. Sunshine, mountains, beaches, oceans, palm trees. It was the makings of a perfect story. Jeff and I moved out there so I could be a senior pastor of a church, and he was working for NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory, and everything was supposed to be perfect, except it wasn't. You see, I was the first female senior pastor of this church that I loved and still love, but being the first female wasn't without controversy, without getting into too much details. Within the first week, a third of the congregation left the church over the controversy of bringing in a female senior pastor. You see, in the mind of a young, aspiring, very driven, success-oriented pastor, I had failed. I had failed the church. I had failed other women. And I was failing And you can imagine the immense pain that I felt in my life, in my soul, in my mind. I needed a lifeline. And the lifeline that I grabbed onto was work and more work and more work. I thought thought maybe if if I could work 70 hours a week that I could fix this. I can turn this ship around. And there were weeks where I was pressing 70-some hours of work a week. I thought if I were the first one in the office, the last one to leave, if I worked harder than everyone else, maybe even it would numb this feeling of failure that I am feeling in my own interior life. And it would numb this feeling of pain. So I just kept working. Except that feeling of pain never really went away. It's a common story, isn't it? It's the young professional who's climbing the ladder to his career. He's got his dream job. Everything's supposed to be perfect for him. The first thing he does when he comes home is he grabs that bottle of whiskey and he pulls it out. Can't get it down fast enough in the effort to numb all the pain that he too is experiencing, the anxiety and the sadness. Or it's the young mom like we just saw moments ago who day after day cannot get rid of this cloud of sadness and anxiety and depression that she is feeling. And maybe she too looks for any lifeline, a quick lifeline that will numb the pain that she is experiencing. You see, the reality is, if you haven't been there before, it's likely that you will someday. Because throughout this life, We experience bumps along the way, sometimes bruises, and sometimes deep wounds. Our lives have histories, they have stories. And along the way, we pick up hurts and bumps and bruises. And we begin to navigate life at times with this interior pain, looking for a way to get rid of the aches and pains that that we are experiencing, and, and sometimes even seeking after these quick fixes. But here's the reality that I want you to know this morning. Your life is 
too important to God for just a quick fix. See, these three vignettes that I just shared with you moments ago, including my own story, they all have something in common. That the exterior life, it may look like everything is going great, but the interior life is out of sorts, off, not doing so well, hurt, anxious maybe. And whether it's, it's chemistry that is causing the individuals to feel out of sorts or life circumstances, so many of us have been there. And underneath that exterior life where we project as though everything is together, oftentimes there are layers upon layers upon layers of hurts and pain. And I believe that God is in the business of doing a deeper kind of work than just a quick fix. Sometimes a slower kind of work, yes. A work that it is a lifetime towards healing and wholeness but a deeper and eternal kind of work. Something that is so much greater and so much more than just a quick fix. You see, we serve a God that desires to connect with us, mind, body, soul. And oftentimes, even as Christians, we like to compartmentalize these things, don't we? We've got our spiritual life, right? That's why we do what we do on Sunday mornings, to nurture our spiritual life and our faith life. We, we have our body. That's why we go to the gym. That's why I go to Spanga three days a week. We've got to take care of and nourish that body, and we leave that for the gym. Uh, we have our mind, and, and, and that's for education, and, and that's, that's for reading, and, and that's for the psychologists, and that's for the scientists, and, and we like to keep those things separated. But our life, our faith life, is an embodied one. And God desires to connect with all of us, mind, body, and soul. Jesus calls us to a holistic kind of faith. I'm reminded this morning of Jesus' greatest commandment, which comes from Mark's Gospel, chapter 12 begins like this. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked them, of all the commandments, which is the most important one? The most important one, Jesus answered, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. And the second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. This is the word of the Lord, in which Jesus calls us to an integrated kind of faith. You see, oftentimes when we read this passage, we just think, well, that just means loving God with everything we have. All that we are, all that, all that we have, and, and yes, that's true. And also, we see that Jesus actually specifically calls out mind, soul, body, 
strength, and heart. He calls this out. And he was no doubt drawing from a Hebrew understanding of heart, mind, soul, and strength. Jesus wasn't talking about our physical hearts necessarily. You see, but a Hebrew understanding of heart was the center of one's passions and desires. And Jesus is calling us to desire God, to love God with our desires. The soul would have been one's ego. Uh, the mind would have, would have been the center of understanding or a place of reason. And strength would have been how one used their body maybe to earn a living, their bodies. And with every pieces of ourselves, God is saying, integrate those. Allow those to work in harmony so that you can love me with all that you are. The call here is to live in a harmonious way with ourselves and with God. That all of us would be working in harmony so that we can live a purposeful life, a flourishing life for the glory of God. God wants that for us. I believe that with my whole heart, that God wants us to live in harmony with ourselves and with God, that our heart, mind, soul, and strength would be working together in such a way that we can live a purposeful and flourishing life. I believe that for us. And I also believe that this perfect harmony won't be achieved in this lifetime. You see, every one of us, we have this interior life. We wake up some mornings and we just think, I can't even today. Ever wake up like that? There are days where I just think, I just can't even. We have, we have moments where we have deep wounds or some are working through trauma and we pick up things along the way where we get out of sorts, things get off kilter, if you will. And sometimes this shows up in the form of anxiety. Sometimes this shows up in the form of PTSD. Sometimes this shows up in the form of depression or even an anxiety attack. And when we are experiencing this kind of internal pain, whether it's chemistry or whether it's circumstantial or both, we want it to go away. I don't like feeling sad. I come from a family where everything is about positivity. We don't like to feel sad. We want to feel great. We want to feel super fantastic, as I talked about last week. And we want to avoid the pain. And oftentimes, when one is experiencing that kind of internal pain, we want to fix and we reach for whatever we can to fix the pain that we're feeling. We want it to go away, and so some of the ways that we cope or we seek a fix is just avoid it. If I can just avoid it, nothing to see here, everybody move along, everything's fine, sweep it under the rug. Maybe then it'll go away. Or another way that we deal with this is, is just isolate ourselves. If I could just get away from everyone that loves me, anyone that cares about me, and just stay home and never go out anymore, and maybe then I'll stop feeling this pain that I'm feeling. 
Another way that some seek these quick fixes is self-harm. If I could just relocate the pain that I'm experiencing, then maybe I won't feel so awful on the inside. Another very common way is substances and sometimes substance abuse. I could just numb the pain with, with alcohol or, or drugs, and sometimes it might even be food. Another way might be impulsive spending. I've had a retail therapy appointment a time or two. Don't know about you. Another way that we often try to cope and seek that quick fix is maybe if I could just achieve more and be successful, then it'll just, everybody will think that I've got it together, that everything looks good, because then if I achieve more, then I can have more, and I can buy more, and I can live in a bigger house, and if I can just get to that next level, and if I could just climb the top of the ladder, then maybe everything will be fixed. But eventually, that rope, that lifeline comes apart. And that quick fix was just that, a quick fix. I recall a time when my oldest son, Caleb, was young. He used to follow Jeff around, his daddy around with his toy toolbox. And Jeff would go around the house fixing things, and, and Caleb would follow around with his toolbox, and they'd be underneath the sink, and Jeff would be there with, with his wrench, and no, Caleb would be there with his toy wrench, and they'd be fixing things. And there was one afternoon where I stubbed my toe on the coffee table. The worst, right? The worst, if you ever stub your toe. And I was on the ground, maybe shed a tear. I wasn't sure if I broke my toe. I was in a ton of pain. And Caleb so sweetly comes alongside of me, Mommy, Mommy, you okay, Mommy? What do you need, Mommy? And I was like, oh, my toe, I, I hurt my toe, I hit it. He said, I fix. He ran upstairs and he grabbed his, his toy toolbox and he came down with his toys and he tried to fix my toe. It was so sweet and so precious. And I thanked him, of course but my toe still hurt. I just wonder how often God is looking down at his sweet children that he loves so much, that he so desperately also wants us to live a life that is pain-free and sorrow-free, to live full and flourishing and whole lives. And he sees us reaching for these quick fixes. And if we're honest, at the end of the day, we're still hurting, and the pain is still there. What if your life isn't about a quick fix? What if your life isn't even about fixing what is broken inside of you? But instead, what if the invitation for us in this Christian faith, in this life, in this world, is more about freedom to live in harmony with ourselves and with God. Let me say that again. What if it's not just about a quick fix or even about fixing what it's broken, but what if it's about living in freedom to live in harmony with ourselves and with God? If I may just unpack this further with you for a moment. You see, if we think about this rope here as a continuum within the narrative of God, within the timeline of God, 
into eternity that goes on and on and on. And this anchor here to my left represents that someday world that we will experience in which we will join Christ in the resurrection and the new heaven and the earth, new earth, and that there will be a world of no more sorrow and no more pain. Imagine this continuum with me for a moment. You see, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And God created man and woman. And in the beginning, there was harmony. Like a grand and glorious symphony, the world and creation was working exactly as it should. In the Hebrew world, they would call this shalom. This idea of shalom meant there was harmony between humanity and God and God and humanity. It meant that there was harmony between humanity and one another, between man and woman, between brother and sister. It meant that there was harmony between humanity and creation even. And it also meant that there was harmony with our own selves, our own bodies, our own minds and souls. Shalom, everything was harmoniously working as it was meant to. And we know, as the story goes, sin entered the world. And that harmony was disrupted. And throughout the narrative of God, we see exactly how that harmony was disrupted. As we see the backdrop of the Bible, full of pain, full of sorrow. Immediately after the fall, we see the Bible's first murder between Cain and Abel. We see war. We see hurt, we see trauma, we see abuse. We see all sorts of really uncomfortable things in the Bible and in the story of God. But what we also see is that as humanity is discovering this new way now of living where harmony is disrupted, they're waking up most days feeling out of sorts. That shalom is gone. That shalom has been disrupted. They're waking up most days where they have days they don't want to get out of bed. But this is how the story of God works. God never looks upon those moments of disrupted harmony and brokenness and pain and says, ah, we've arrived. That's how it ought to go. But instead, we see this thread of God's grace And God's promises, pulling creation towards redemption. Pulling creation. If you just imagine this rope, pulling. God is pulling creation towards new things, towards healing, towards wholeness. You see, God is desperately interested in restoring that harmony that was disrupted at the fall that impacts and permeates lives, permeates our bodies, permeates our minds, permeates this world. And we see the climax of this story arrive in the person of Jesus, fully human, fully divine, stepped into this out-of-sorts world, stepped into the world's anxiety, stepped into the world's pain and hurt and brokenness and all of the out of sorts and all of the disrupted harmony and taught and showed a new way of harmony, showed a new way of living, called people to this way of shalom, called people to love God with their heart, mind, soul, and strength. And so today we live in this space 
that scholars like to call an already but not yet space, which means this. Already, we believe that Christ has come, that today we live in the blessings, that salvation is here, that today we live in the blessings, that grace is here, that today that we live in the blessings because of the faithfulness of King Jesus who went to the cross and was raised to new life and then ascended to the throne and the gift of the Holy Spirit, that we are invited to live in the family of God and experience grace and mercy here today. And we live in the not yet space. Meaning, this story is not over, friends. We've not yet arrived. Meaning, it's going to keep getting better. Revelation chapter 21 describes a world of of no more sorrow, of no more pain, of no more weeping, of no more tears. Which we could also assume then means a world of no more interior pain, a world of no more depression, a, no, a world of, of no more mental health disorders, a, a world of no more trauma, a world of no more PTSD, a world of no more anxiety attacks, a world of no more wounds. That someday when we join Christ in the resurrection, that we will at last be whole and harmony will be restored. But just like the beginning, when God was not interested in seeing creation stay put just as they are, that reality is also true for us today. Meaning, we don't just look towards the future and say, well, someday I'll last stop being so out of sorts and not like myself. I'll have to wait. It's just about grace and forgiveness here and now. No, my friends. We are called sons and daughters of the resurrection, meaning that future reality impinges on the present. Jesus says the kingdom of God has come near. In other words, this lifeline of this story that is moving, God is pulling us towards the power of resurrection and and new creation. God is pulling God's people towards this ultimate vision of healing, this ultimate vision of shalom, this ultimate vision of of harmony. In other words, God isn't looking at his creation and saying, well, I'm sorry that you're feeling out of sorts. But instead he says, come on, I have more for you. Let's go on a lifelong kind of journey of healing, of wholeness, of setting to right what has been wrong, of harmonizing this pain that that we are feeling, of healing. Here's the hard thing for us to understand. This isn't a quick fix. This isn't an immediate kind of thing where the depression or anxiety or the out-of-sorts feeling that we are feeling just goes away, but it's a lifelong kind of journey of learning to walk in the power of grace as God is pulling us towards that ultimate vision of healing and wholeness. And I know this, this, we want the quick fixes. I'm the microwave generation. I'm from the generation where you can fix anything. 
this really complex iPhone, if it breaks, I take it into the, the Apple store and a genius fixes it. When my dad was dying of cancer, I couldn't understand why we couldn't just fix him. And when things in our lives hurt, we just want to fix it. I get it. But I believe that our God is a God that is interested in the work and the deep work of restoring what is out of sorts, of restoring that disrupted harmony. And God, the ultimate lifeline, is pulling us towards the power of new creation, of redemption, and with healing. And while this brokenness permeates every part of our lives, God is calling the weary to come, the hurting to come. That lifeline is available today. Here's what I hope you hear. Your mind matters to God. Your wounds matter to God. Your emotions matter to God. And your mental health very much matters to God. God desires a healthy and a harmonious you. And you see, within this lifeline of God pulling us is streams of grace and mercy available to us every day. I can think about a few that have blessed me through the years. I think, first of all, about the gift of the lifeline of God's creation, being outdoors. There's a study not too long ago that says that 71%, in a study of 71% of those who suffered from depression said that a 30-minute walk outdoors made them feel better about themselves. Oh, that's God's creation. That's some good medicine. And of the 108 patients who took part in conservation projects, went cycling or hiked, 94% said the activities brought about greater, greater mental health. Or how about lifelines through loving yourself? I remember one time my therapist described self-care or loving yourself like this. She said, learning to love yourself is showing up for yourself like you would your best friend. Which, by the way, I know this is hard for us. We feel icky talking about loving ourselves. But the greatest command is, yes, love God with everything. And the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. How would you show up for your best friend if they had a rough day? Why wouldn't you show up for yourself like that? In a very particular stressful work week, my therapist really pushed me on this. I had a very difficult week. And she said, how are you spending tomorrow? I said, oh man, I've got like all these meetings I've gotta to go to, I've, I've got projects that I need to get done. I was back in that just driven achieve mode. And she said, if one of your kids had the week like you had, what would you do for them? And I just went through a list of all the things that I would do for them. And she said, why wouldn't you do that for yourself? Learning to love ourselves is one of the streams and means of grace that God gives us. 
another lifeline that God gives us as he is tugging us along towards wholeness and harmony is the lifeline of God's people. Last week we talked about how so many of us live in shame and hiding with our mental health journeys or with the pain that we're experiencing. And the invitation is to come out and discover the gift of being known by a God that desires to know us and the healing that happens in that. Well, when we come out of hiding, out of isolation, we discover the gift of being known and we experience the extension of God's grace and mercy. Get in a small group, friends. Get connected. Join a class. Of course, find a therapist even. Therapy has certainly changed my life over the last five years and has been a true extension of God's mercy and healing and grace along the way. Don't do this alone. And of course, as God is the ultimate lifeline, I can think of so many other different lifelines, if you will, or streams of mercy that God offers us as God is pulling us towards this healing and wholeness. You mentioned therapy, you mentioned friendships, and I also believe that medication can be a means of grace for those that are suffering. That there should not be pain, that should, there should not be shame in that. And I long to see a day when Christians can destigmatize medication. For some people, that's what might make sense. It is a means and can be a means of grace. Of course, not abused. And of course, when it makes sense. Friends, some of you today have run out of rope. You're realizing maybe the quick fix just hasn't been what you thought it was. And you're ready to be tugged along towards that journey of healing and redemption. The ultimate lifeline is here today. I invite you for a moment to take your fists and hold them like this out in front of you. Imagine that you're holding a rope. It's frayed on, on both ends. And maybe there's multiple ropes inside of there and you can see that you're, you're there, you're at the end of your rope. The lifeline has run out. I invite you to bow your head and close your eyes. Imagining that rope that you are holding on to. What is it? Is it isolation, avoidance, impulsive, impulsive shopping or eating or substance abuse? What is the rope that you've been holding on to that you are now at the end? I invite you to open your hands and imagine dropping that to the ground. Let it go. Now take a deep breath with me. Breathe in. Hold. God of peace. Now exhale. Hold. Hold.
replace my weariness with hope. I want to invite you to breathe in, hold. God of hope, exhale, hold. I need your lifeline. I invite you now imagining that right in front of you is that lifeline that represents the mercy and grace of God tugging us towards new things, tugging us towards flourishing. Would you grab onto that today? God, we need you. God, we're tired of feeling out of sorts. God, we're tired of turning to the quick fixes over and over again. God, we want the new, we want the fresh, we want the harmony, we want the healing, we want the redemption, we want to be pain-free, we want to be depression-free, we want to be anxiety-free, we want the wounds to be healed at last, so God, we hold on to you. Pull us. Take us on this slow, long journey. Lord, we look towards the power of resurrection today. We thank you for your faithfulness. In the name of Jesus, we pray.